From the Thinking Out Loud studios, it's the Thinking Out Loud podcast with Kevin and Kyle, the podcast that exists to help you navigate the culture of today from a biblical perspective and to help you grow in your relationship with God. God has commissioned and called you to be a light in this culture. The only way you can do that is to know the truth. No matter what circumstance you're facing, no matter what season of life that you're in, if you truly want to find success in that season, you're going to have to go back to the simple question of what does God say about me in this moment? There's no shortage of information in this culture, but there is a shortage of truth. Welcome back to the Thinking Out Loud podcast. My name is Kevin Wilson. And I'm Kyle. And we are excited to be with you for another week of the podcast. And, you know, normally we have some uh, funny banter that we do before we get into some tough topics. But today we are not going to waste any time because we have a special guest with us today. And I know a lot of our listeners absolutely love her. And when they found out that she was coming on, has just been super excited. And so we have recording artist, speaker, you can say she's a preacher, and a voice for this generation that I truly feel that needs to be heard across the world. Just some of the things that she said, even during the pandemic, has just been amazing. Just dropping some truth bombs, you know, during this tough season that we've been in. But we have Catherine Mullins on the show today, and we are so excited to have her. Catherine, welcome to the Thinking Out Loud podcast. Thank you guys so much for having me. You know, mm-hmm. I was, I was uh, listening through some of your podcasts and I just thought, man, it's so good to run into people who are stewarding truth so well and just championing truth in this season. And I just, I'm so grateful for you guys and for what you guys are doing for this generation. Yeah. Well, thanks so much. I, we, you know, and of course, you know, we realize that we have went through some of our probably toughest seasons, especially for this generation. And one of the things that we've said that we say the beginning of our show, we say every show, there's a lot of information out there, but there is a shortage of truth, right? It's there's there is no end to the information that you can get, the things that you can see. And I think a lot of people in this culture have 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 mixed up truth and information and they feel like whatever information they get is truth, right? Mm-hmm. And, and instead of really digging in. And so there's just been so much, I think, that has come in the way of uh, information. But, you know, Catherine, one of the things that I've wanted to ask you as we've, we've, we've navigated through the last couple of years is what has God been teaching you or what has God taught you? through this pandemic? One is one of the more recurring themes or few things that you feel that God has been teaching you through this pandemic. You know, it's been an interesting process because I remember just when this really broke out, I was in Virginia at a women's conference and I'll never forget it. You know, when they said President Trump's called a national state of emergency and the country started to shut down and immediately three months of my, my travel trips canceled. You know, and so it's overnight. I remember thinking, when is the next time I'm going to get to lead worship with people in the room? And so everything went to Zoom. You know, I'm leading worship now instead of with a congregation present. I'm leading worship from my office at home. Mm-hmm. And it was really a, a huge shift in my thinking. But I really had a moment where I began 
not in a bad way, but I began kind of questioning where we had gotten to as a church. Mm. And I remember having these moments of thinking, you know, maybe this is a, not the pandemic, but maybe this is a good thing because God works all things together for the good. Maybe this is a good moment for the church to be able to pause and really start asking ourselves, are we doing, doing things the way God wants us to do things? Are we um, emphasizing the things that he wants to emphasize? And I couldn't help but thinking, I want to go back to church services, but I want to make sure that we don't go back to business as usual. And I think um, in the midst of hard seasons, and I know you guys would agree, it's always an invitation for God to do something. It's always an invitation for God to make us more like him and for us to, to, to become like him in his image. And so it was really a time of searching for me. And I think most musicians and singers probably had that moment of saying, okay, you know, possibly our entire lifestyle is going to change. Mm-hmm. What are we depending on? What have we been focusing on? And if this is really moving us in a huge way, that means that there are some things that needed to be moved out of our lives. And we needed to make sure that our foundation was, was stable. So I think that was a really good thing. But through that, really the thing that God has been whispering to me is radical obedience is our quiet resistance. Mm. And I think we've been at a place, exactly what you talked about, where there has been a lot of information released to so many people, but there has not been a lot of truth. Yeah. And it has been really convicting to me because when all of these things started happening, the pandemic, the race riots, people started losing their jobs. There were so many different things that were happening. It was this huge culmination in our society. And when I looked at the church's response, to be very honest with you, this is so <laughs> crazy. I don't think we handled it the right way. Yeah. I feel like we had this moment of, of being able to show Jesus to the world, to show a unified front. And instead of following truth, we followed information that I would call as misinformation in yes. many ways. Yes. And as a result, our response to, to the issues at hand, to the cultural issues, was secular rather than godly and rather than biblical. And it was so convicting because it, I realized there are so many people in this season, and I had to check myself on this, were claiming Christianity, but were really living out a secular viewpoint, a worldly viewpoint. <clears throat> and when, when we begin to respond to big issues in our lives, and it looks just like the world, it's time to check ourselves. And it's time to say, actually, we're not meant to live like the world. And so what is our quiet resistance to the world's ways going to be to the wrong mindsets? Our, our quiet resistance is going to be radical obedience to God's ways, to biblical truth. And so that's really been something that's stirring. And I'm kind of like, I'm ready just to fight it out in a kind Christ-like way, but I'm ready to go to war with it and say there has to be a generation set apart in this season that, that's, that champions truth, that sees truth from a lie. And, and begins to stand up for truth, which is why I love your guys' podcast and your yeah. message right now. Yeah, well, yeah, and we've just kind of talked about this, and I guess this is a shameless plug, but on one of the episodes coming out, I actually get real about that, where yeah. I've had to kind of look at myself in the mirror because I'm the type of guy that wears my heart on my sleeve. And if I feel I'm, I'm the type of dude that's in attack mode, being a youth pastor and just watching what these students go through. And realizing the lies they believe, I do think that we can allow our emotions to get in our way and we feel like we're preaching the truth, but it's never communicated that way when we allow our emotions to get in our way. 
And so just out of the last year and a half, I was talking to Kevin, but I had, I actually had a pastor reach out to me and he was like, Hey, I, I get your heart. I get what you're doing, but take a little look at how you're responding. And I had to swallow that pill and be like, you know, we have to, and, and I had to go back and reflect on how Jesus responded yeah. to a world acting like the world. And really it was, it was convicting. It was sobering to see what you just said. A lot of churches, reactions, Christians, pastors, our reaction was a lot like the world. Yet we were mad at the world for reacting the same. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And so yeah. when we allow our emotions to confuse all of that, we don't see that. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, well, and I love too what you even talked about because you had a pastor or a, a leader come to you and just say, hey, this is how you're, this is how we as Christians need to respond. And I think right now, even, even that, there is a shift in the culture. And I even think a shift in, in congregations, people in the church, they're coming and they don't just want the normal church service. They want relationship. They want real where people are speaking into their lives and saying, Hey, this is the truth. Walk in it. And I believe, um, and I, I think I posted this a couple of days ago, but, um, there's been for a long time, no insult to the church. Cause we're all figuring things out, but there's, there's been a, a bit of a superstar mentality in the church mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and, And we can only handle that for so long because it's not a real relationship. And what I love about the conversation you just talked about is you had a leader come and in real covenant relationship, tell you truth. And then you, you walked in a spirit of humility. You were humble enough to receive correction Mm -hmm. and you grew from there. And I think that that's really what God is bringing the church back to in this season is People speaking the truth and love, but then a generation that is humble enough to receive it and say, okay, I'm going to listen to the older generation and I'm going to change because I, I want to be somebody that's growing in truth. So kudos to you for handling that in the right way and setting an example for all of us. It's not easy to admit when you're wrong, but you you had said, you had said something about what you've learned through the pandemic and how it was really kind of getting back to. I mean, in other words, getting back to the authenticity of it all, because as you know, churches want to grow, they want to reach, they want to grow their reach, and it becomes very business-minded. And we did a study on our staff, and I was talking to Kevin about this probably months ago, where we're seeing the church as a general in the nation, we're seeing people who were involved in ministries, they're not only no longer coming to church in person, but they're not coming to church online. They're dropping out altogether. And what the statistics showed was that they were connected to a ministry, not a person. And so you hit it on the head when you said, I think people yeah. really want that person to person, that covenant relationship where they're going to help do ministry, but ultimately they're feeding and they're fueling off of a genuine, authentic relationship with somebody else in the church that's willing to help build them up, restore them the way the Bible talks about. Absolutely. Well, and even, it, you know, it talks about in the Bible, it says, Spur one another on towards love and good deeds, and let us not give up meeting together all the more as we see the day approaching, you know, whether that's online or in person. But God designed the human spirit to live life in relationship, in community, and even says as we get closer to the coming of Jesus, which I don't know when he's coming, but I know that every, every person in the New Testament lived like he was coming very soon. So the closer that day approaches, that means that even more we need to rally and really be intentional about doing life from a place of community, doing life from a place of relationship. And we've seen this with the pandemic that the enemy has just wreaked havoc on so many people's lives because it has been an opportune moment for him to isolate so many people. 
And in doing so, it's just been like this open door because the enemy knows that the human spirit was made for relationship. And I think in this season, it's just so important that we remember, Mm -hmm. again, what does the Bible say? It says, don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let's encourage and meet together all the more as we see the Mm -hmm. day approach. So that's, that's, that's Bible right there. And again, that Mm -hmm. comes back to Let's get a biblical perspective. Let's not make up our own rules, but let's say, what does the Bible tell us on how to live? And then let's live that way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I know there are some of our listeners out there that's saying, you know what? Hey, I went through the pandemic. There's all this information out there, you know, and Catherine, I'm just having a hard time silencing those voices or I'm having a hard time not being plugged into those. So like, what would you say to people who, you know, because I, I, I've said this, I, I, and, and I will continue to say this. I believe the pandemic was one of the greatest times, especially year of 2020, because things are kind of opening back up now. But the year of 2020 was the best time for the church to, one, show the love of Christ, right? And to be yeah. the church, right? We, we've, mm. we've continually depended on government and all these other entities to do what the church should be doing in the first place, right? Like you, our, our pastor just recently talked about, about ties. And he was saying, if everyone just did their 10%, like we're instructed to in scripture, it would eradicate, like, cause somebody went and did the numbers, right? And it was insane. It would eradicate hunger around the world. Right. Like, but we sit and we say, well, God, you know, why, why, God, if you are good, why? And it it makes us look back at ourselves and say, if God is good, why aren't we right? Like, and, and I, and I feel like this, the pandemic was an opportunity for the church one, like I said, to show the love of Christ, to help people understand that government's not the answer, you know, initiatives and legislation and, and all the other things are not the answer, but also it was, it was a time where a lot of things were silenced and people who said, well, I don't really have time to spend with God. They weren't working, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> you know, and to have that moment where God could speak. But I feel like what the enemy did was he tried to flip that and make the world so loud during the, those months that people felt like they couldn't hear God, right? Because of all the noise, you know, so help people who just say, you know what, Catherine, I just, I don't know. I have a hard time, you know, pushing through all the mush to hear God's voice. What is your advice to those people? Well, one, I just want to encourage them because I think we all have those moments in our lives. And I think that's really somewhat of a continual struggle for all of us. Really positioning ourselves to be able to hear his voice is something that is so vital in the life of the, of the believer. And because it's so vital, the enemy loves to attack it really the most in many ways. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to encourage them that you're, you're, still, you're still loved by God. God has a plan and he wants to speak to you. And it's really great that you're even wrestling with this of, of what voices do I listen to and, and why is it so hard and what, what is the game plan that I need? So it's good that you're wrestling with this and asking those questions. And so one, I just want to say in moments like this, and really this needs to be a spiritual discipline for the rest of our lives. We have to do whatever it takes to make time with God a priority, period. Mm -hmm. And I think for a long time, we've used language in the church because we don't want to be legalistic, which is good. We don't want to be legalistic. 
and we don't we don't want to be you know super intense with standards and you know and and kind of give a wrong impression to people but so we've kind of just said you know you can have quiet time when you're doing this and when you're doing that but the truth is you know there are times maybe when you eat on the go but you don't always just eat on the go there needs to be times when you sit down and you have a real dinner mm-hmm. and it's the same thing with spiritual nutrition there are going to be times in your life when you might just be eating spiritually on the go, maybe listening to your audio Bible or, you know, or, or maybe you, you know, you've got a season of life that's busy with kids. And so, you know, you're praying while you're changing diapers, but even in the midst of that, there needs to be a time when you prioritize, and I'm holding my Bible right now, you prioritize getting alone with this. Yeah. Because when you make this a priority, then this book is going to be the things that begin to silence the voices around you Mm. that are trying to give you misinformation. And so it's amazing. Whatever you put in front of you is going to be the thing that um, is emphasized, the thing that is is magnified. And so Mm -hmm. if we make a decision to put prayer and hearing the voice of God, reading the Bible, listening to Christian music, worship music, all of these things as a priority in our lives, then that's going to be the things that are magnified in our lives. And it's going to begin to push out all of these other voices. And so I think the biggest thing right there is we've got to prioritize what we're putting in front of us. And so, um, you know, quiet time is a really big deal. A lot of times, you know, right now we're dealing with unprecedented suicide rates, mm-hmm. unprecedented um, depression, abuse, all of these big things that have been a result of isolation in the pandemic. And yeah. so how do we how do we fight those things? Obviously, we talk about connection, but another way to fight those things is 100 percent getting in the word of God and letting that miracle medicine in your life so that it can heal those deep places. And so I want to encourage whoever is listening to this, whatever you have to do, if it means going to bed early and getting up before your children, if it means, you know, just setting an alarm on your phone um, at 12 o'clock in the afternoon, whenever it is that you have free time and saying, I'm going to spend 10, I'm going to spend 15 minutes, I'm going to spend 20 minutes blocking out everything else and reading the word and what he has to say. I promise you it is going to change your life and it's going to close the door to those uh, voices that are trying to bring depression and suicide and all of these other issues to the surface in your life. Yeah. And, and I, and I would say uh, as well, I mean, so eloquently said, Catherine, but I would say as well to people who of us that are in ministry, because a lot of times, you know, we get stuck in this thing where we only study for ministry or we only prepare for mm-hmm. ministry. And that is a rut that a lot of ministers and worship leaders and uh, you know get into and it is it it's it's one of the most dangerous things and sometimes when we see people fall you know publicly we see them fall not because they didn't know Jesus it's they didn't fall because they didn't spend time with Jesus you, you know what i mean like it, there was you know and it was a lot of ministry out but there was no ministry in and 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 you have to get Past your sermon, your, you know, your next video you're going to do, your whatever, and spend time with Jesus for yourself, right? For your own life. And so I think that is so important because I, I never, and because I, 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 you know, a lot of times as leaders, we, we, we talk to our people, but a lot of times I feel like leaders, we need to talk. And that was one of the things through the pandemic, you would put things out. Like, uh, and it was, it was to leadership and to people, right? Into the lay people, right? It wasn't just for 
for lay people. And that's what I appreciate so, so much about you in, in that way. And I think too, it's kind of funny that you brought that up because we're literally talking about it tomorrow with our youth. But I think like the, like in the moment dedication to God, like realizing you need him, but then, then the post devotion. So I, I don't, I think that for some people, it's the lack of care for that devotion. And we're, we're talking about Samson and usually you hear about Samson and Delilah, but you'll see in chapter 14 where he's, he's disregarding the vow that he, he made with his parents to God multiple times throughout that entire chapter. And what we're going to discuss is how could a Nazarite disregard like touching a corpse? How could he disregard walking through a vineyard when he's not even supposed to be around intoxicating things, not even around fruit from the vine? You know, he's taking his own, the four, in chapter 14, it talks about him taking his own path away from his parents. And so I think it's important to note that you can, you can have an initial dedication. That's what he was. He was initially dedicated to the glory of God. However, if our devotion doesn't follow suit with that dedication, then we're completely lost. And so I think it's just when you talked about prioritizing, he just didn't do that. He didn't prioritize his vow. And I think a lot of us, we make that initial vow, but we, like Catherine was saying, we put other things in front of us. We magnify those things and we feel the security of, well, I dedicated myself to God. Oh, you're not living in in that umbrella of being devoted to him. Because the Bible does talk about God makes good work for those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. And so we've got to love God. You know what I'm saying? We've got to want God's will for our life. And so when we push that devotion off, uh, it's a scary place to be. Yes. Well, and we see all the symptoms of really a generation that has done that. And it's so convicting again to me personally. But, you know, we're asking so many questions. Even the world is asking these questions of, how do I find peace? How do I get over depression? How do I get over anxiety? How do I get over fear? How do I find happiness in life and fulfillment in life? And they're asking, humanity is asking that question. And we have the answer as Christians. But again, I think it goes back to, we haven't prioritized exactly what you guys are talking about. We haven't prioritized devotion to God and pursuit of God. And so what's happened is we've tried to, again, put worldly solutions on spiritual issues and so we're dealing with all of these different things. And we, we, we say, well, maybe you need to work out. Maybe you need to um, go see a doctor and get, and get you know, medication. And I'm not knocking any of those things. But really, we're addressing a spiritual issue and trying to solve it with a worldly solution. And what's happening is we fed our flesh. We fed our natural man. But our spirit man, which is even more real than our natural man, is walking around without the spiritual nutrients that it needs. It's walking around with a spiritual eating disorder because we're not feeding our spirit man. And so we're wondering, why are we depressed? Why are we you know, so emotional and dealing with all of these things? Well, when was the last time we sat down with the Lord in the secret place and had a big meal so that our appetite for the Lord was satiated, was satisfied? And so I think a lot of exactly what you're talking about, this was a reset even even for the church leaders to say, I'm not seeking the Lord just to get a message. I'm seeking the Lord because spiritually, I can't live without him. Spiritually, I need him every single day. And I need the spiritual nutrients that come from being in his presence. And that goes back to Jesus saying, man doesn't live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. So 
So Jesus was in one of the hardest situations. He was literally faced with temptation. He was in a desert season. And his response was, I'm living on more than just bread. I understand that, you know, we, we need bread, but man doesn't live on bread alone, but every word. And he was, he was saying that there is a spiritual side to all of us that needs God, needs the word of God. And I think that's a big deal. We've been in overarchingly, COVID was a desert season for so many people. It was a hard Mm -hmm. season. And it was a beautiful opportunity to acknowledge that man doesn't live just on bread alone, but we need the word of God strengthening our spirit, man. And it's like sitting down to a big steak dinner in the, you know, for our spirit, man, when we feast on the word of God and when we feast on his presence. Okay. And last thing, sorry, before, before we go on, you talked about, you know, getting a message, you know, and having more than just quiet time for a message as, you know, being in leadership. So that's been something that I've really had to work out personally in the secret place. And, you know, I've had times when I haven't done it so well and I've, you know, I've done it better than others, but really for me, foundationally, something that has changed my life is when I sit down in the morning, it's not for getting, you know, a set list. It's not for getting a message. And what I've made a decision is any ministry that I do, it's going to be from the overflow of my walk with the Lord. And that really has changed. And I think that's by God's grace made it where I haven't had burnout because, you know, when you're ministering from a place of overflow, I'm not sitting down to to pick my set list. I'm sitting down to connect with the Lord. And then, you know, later on that day, after I've had that connection, I'm going to pick my set list or I'm going to study out my sermon. But I think when we prioritize again, what we're talking about and just saying, this is non-negotiable for our life. It really Mm -hmm. begins to change, change things for us. Yeah, no, that's that is awesome. We talk a lot about as Christians, we talk a lot about revival. And I know that you are one of the leading voices in really wanting to see revival and ushering in a revival. And I've always said, and I know it's not necessarily a popular idea, but I don't believe that revival is an event. I don't think you can schedule it. I don't think there is this this thing where you, oh, we're going to have a revival. Yeah. I, I mean, it, we can call it that, but I feel like a revival, a true revival happens in the hearts of people. Just it, it, it's, 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 and, and, and sometimes it is in a room of where a group of people just decide, like, God, I'm, I'm done. I'm surrendering it all. It's all, you know, it's, it's all you. It's going to be you. I'll, I'll do whatever you want. Like, and, but, I, I, I feel like with this generation, you know, you see pockets of revival here and there. You see pockets overseas um, different things like that. But in America, from your point of view, because you're out there, I mean, you're, you're, you're in, in, in a lot of different churches and ministries and all of these type of things. What do you feel like is the biggest hindrance that we have to revival in America? Oh. <laughs> I, I, that's a that's a good question. loaded question. Yeah, you know there are so many different aspects to it. I, I agree with you when you say that revival is not a moment, and I think we've got to get beyond this. You know, we're created to live radical for Jesus our entire lives. We're created to live in a constant state of revival, and it's not an exhausting thing because I think I think really revival in many ways is simply walking with Jesus, mm-hmm. and, and it's really revival in many ways. I think should be our normal everyday Christian experience. So I think with that, I think the big hindrance to revival has been our flesh. 
Mm. And I, and I say our flesh because there's so many aspects to it. It could be our own opinion. Mm-hmm. It could be complacency, but it's really, it's really that we've made an idol of ourselves. And I think, I think that's been the biggest hindrance in America in so many ways. The church in many ways has made an idol of itself, an idol of people, an idol of people's opinions. And when we get to the root of Christianity, when we say yes to Jesus, right after that, it means that he's calling us to radical obedience over and over again. He says, you're my friend if you obey me. If you love me, you'll obey my commands. And so I think one of the biggest hindrances in America today has been the idol of our own opinion, the idol of self that has kept revival because we want, I think in many ways, we want the benefits of the kingdom of God without serving the king. Mm. Mm-hmm. And Christianity, it's not just this exchange, you know, for a better life. It's an exchange for a laid down life. It's it's us saying we're dying to ourselves so that Christ can live in us. And so I, I hope that makes makes sense with it a little mm-hmm. bit. But um, even in even for instance, I don't know if you've heard of the Lakeland outpouring. Um, yeah. But it, it happened. You know, it was kind of my launch into ministry, and there was a lot of good that happened out of that. But there was also some crazy not godly things that happened out of it. And and it came down to flesh. It came down to the idol of people's opinion getting in the way of what God wanted to do. And so I think it comes back to us, us really getting back to Christianity 101 again, where we're serving God. And it looks like, again, our quiet resistance is radical obedience to Christ. And I think that's really what opens the door to revival. And it also is the sustainer of revival so that we can continue Mm -hmm. living out revival, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. As you're leading worship and speaking around the country, what are you seeing, you know, with the hearts of people, youth, young adults? I mean, you know, because, you know, sometimes I watch your events on YouTube when you're at a church or something, and it's just like, man, you know, like you just want to see that around the globe. But I mean, help us to get kind of a view of as you've been out there, what are you seeing from the church, even through the pandemic? Like, you know, and I know things have changed, right? Like, like you said, I mean, there are times that you were, you know, leading worship from your office at home, right? Like you just, you know, that's just the way things had to be. But, you know, what is your sense of the church and, and, and what God is doing out in, in the uh, church right now? So I'm glad you asked because, you know, I'm talking kind of, we're addressing kind of some issues and I'm, I'm talking pretty, I feel like intensely about what we haven't been doing right. But Truth is the gospel, and as we would all agree, it's a message of hope. Yeah, yeah. Gospel is a message of transformation. And even in the midst of hard seasons, Jesus is at work in his bride. And the church is still alive and well. And as much as, as maybe people would want to shut the church down and, and really change the message of the church, you know, until Jesus comes back, there is going to be a bride. And he's not coming back till there's a bride without spot or wrinkle. So Jesus is still alive and well and working through the church. And I I saw the past year, it was kind of like the church had to figure things out and it was kind of like adjusting and and they kind of had some whiplash moments of of figuring out how do we handle all these cultural issues? Do we do we stay locked down? Do we open up? How do we how do we take care of COVID people and, and people who um, maybe are more susceptible to it? And so they're really trying to figure things out. But I feel like this year, it's been a little bit like they've locked in. Mm. They've started to rally. Mm-hmm. And there's a fresh wind of hope coming to the church, even though there has been some disappointments. We've been contending for some things. And it looks like, you know, it culturally, there are still a lot of issues. 
but there is a sense of hope in the church. And that, that alone comes from Jesus, Jesus being alive and well in the church. And so we're going places and I feel like people are waking up. I feel like people are done with status quo. They are realizing in many ways that they've created this image of God that's that they made in their own image. And that idol is coming crashing down and Jesus is taking center place in the church again. And so I'm seeing it. I'm seeing hearts awakened. I'm seeing people convicted with the, the message of the real gospel, the real Jesus. Mm-hmm. And when I go to these churches, I think the reason America is going to be okay is because of, of the church. And yeah. he is waking up the church. Now, I, I think we're also at a place that we need to keep pressing into that invitation because you know, God doesn't go where he's not wanted. You know, he's yeah. not one of these people that forces himself on, on anyone. And so um, I think we're at a beautiful crossroads in the church where we get to say, yes, arms wide open, let the king come in. And he is coming in to specific churches. And I believe that that's really going to create a ripple effect of breakthrough in the nation. Yeah. Yeah. That's exciting. I, you know, I really believe before Jesus comes back for the second time, I just believe, and I know some people believe in doom and gloom. I don't. I believe that God is going, there's going to be an amazing revival. I I just, I I believe that we're going to see, and, and, and I think that's part of, you know, because sometimes when I look at the end times and, and believe me, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get into that because it's a deep theological situation there, but I, I don't want to get into that. But I will say this, you know, when I think about that and I think, you know, he says in the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit, you know, and it is going to be one of the greatest moments, I believe, for the church, because if if the world keeps going down the path that the world's going in, which I, I, you know, that is going to be the brightest light that the world has seen in years. Yeah, yeah like it is going to, in people who truly want to find God, they're going to find God. God's going to call them. They're going to run down, you know, all the things that the pastors have been praying for, all the things that people like you and evangelists that has been going around and speaking. People have been saying prophetic things and people are like, well, when is this stuff going to happen? When is, I just don't see it. I don't see it. I don't see it. I believe that God is going to release something in this, in this culture, in, in this world, that it's going to be the culmination of all the prayers that have been prayed down through the ages, right? Your, the prayers that your grandmother prayed, the prayers that you know, the pastor you grew up under and you're like, oh, he was just a sweet man. And, and he, you know, he died without seeing. We're going to see it because I believe that God's going to break forth. And that gives me hope because I just, you know, it, it looks like, and I always say, God's not broke. And, and I don't mean money wise, but people act like sometimes that God is like a broken machine or a broken, like it just, it doesn't work anymore. And it's like, you have no idea what's in store. Like you've no idea what God is getting ready to do. And I believe it's the perseverance of the saints that must continue, right? I, I, I feel like the de- one of the things that the devil has done over the past few years, not just in the pandemic, is I believe he's tried to wear the, as we would say, the saints or the church down. Just wear you down, wear you out. Like, with just so much junk so that you don't believe, so you stop contending for revival, so that you won't press after God. 
right? And I believe that there are people like yourself and all of the other people that are out there that is contending for revival. I believe this thing is just going to break open. It's going to burst, right? Those almost like those wineskins, right? They're just going to burst. And then the, this generation is going to be flooded with the presence of God. And so when you talk about hope, that's what I see. That's, that's what I, I feel and I sense. And I'm, man, I, I just, I can't wait. And I want to be a part of that, like every step of the way. Um, and that's one of the reasons why we do this, this podcast. It's not so that we can talk about issues and be another, just another voice out of the millions of voices out there. Our desire is that people get back to scripture and say, guys, I understand there's race relation issues. I understand that there is, you know, depression and suicides and all of this, or there's abortions and all of this. But can't we come together in unity under this one thing? And that's Jesus and him crucified, right? And once we do that, we can, the revival will happen. I mean, it's, it's, it, it is inevitable if we come together. And stop, oh, it's the left, it's the right, it's the, it's the middle, it's the, you know, it, God is not Republican, he is not a Democrat, he's not a Methodist, he's not a charismatic, he's God. Yes. And when we see him as he is, that's when revival can break out. And I, I'm going to stop because I, <laughs> I get excited when you start talking about hope, I'm like, that's it. That it there's we have we have this hope right yes we've got there's, we have this hope there there's there's a so people don't realize Kevin's actually a bishop so we uh, stop it Kyle <laughs> so <laughs> so when he when he starts preaching I just lean back <laughs> and I just absorb wisdom he's pouring out there <laughs> this guy yeah but no Catherine it, it that's that's what excites me and and that was one of the reasons why we hadn't wanted to have you on because. We need voices speaking into the culture that's not tainted by, and, and I know no one's perfect, right? No one's perfect, but that, but it's consecrated themselves enough to God to where their the, the message that they bring out is a pure message. It's not this. Oh, well, here's what God is saying with a little of my political view, right? Right. Or you know what right. I'm saying? Because I right. feel like that's what's happened to the church lately. It's uh-huh. like it, it. It's almost like. The enemy's like, well, no, 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 you cannot have church without there being some type of political overtone now. Like, like you, it has to be there because, you know, COVID's here. And if you close your church, then that means you're, you're afraid of everything. And if you open your church, then that means you don't care about anybody. Like, yeah, that's, that's what the devil wants people to see. But what God wants people to see is this army, you know, like when in, in the Old Testament, when he talked to the prophet, he says, the prophet said, open the young man's eyes so that he can see, right? God wants us to see that there is an army of people that are, spur- that are, are, are pushing us on to say, you know what? I understand what's happening. I understand what's going on. But man, God has a plan. And then there's hope in the midst of all of that, right? I, and yeah. So <laughs> I just like when you talked about leading from the overflow. I think it's a lost art, but I think we're getting back to it. I think the pandemics caused us to get back to it. At least that's what I've experienced in my pastor circles is it's been easy, especially in youth ministry. You talk about young adults. I mean, you preach in the word of God, but you get caught up in what can we offer 
yep. this generation. We offer them Jesus. Like that, that's always been the goal. But we get caught up in how can we be creative and how can we, you know, how can we make, and it's sad to say this, but there's times where people say, well, how can we make Jesus relevant? Well, Jesus has always been relevant. He always will be relevant. Just give him Jesus. Well, I think the slowdown, the pause, and honestly, getting back to the basics, it's caused the church to say, we need to offer them Jesus. And what it's caused is, if we're going to do that, we need to lead from the overflow. of what. So, what's God speaking to my heart as a leader? And then how am I going to bestow that onto my congregation or onto my teenagers or onto my young adult? Whatever, whatever the case is, you're leading from the platform of where, where God wants you to lead from. And, and it's, I think the biggest diss is if we're creating messages and we're propagating the Word of God towards our agenda, that, again, is another scary place to be as a pastor. That's always something, because it's not our words. You know, we're, we're preaching God's words, so it better line up to what God intended them to be and not twist it around our theology or our thought process. So, when you talked about leading from the overflow, I think for parents, for, I mean, college students, teen- I mean, we can all learn from that. It does, yeah. We don't have to have a pulpit and a voice, so to speak, uh, verbally to lead from that, but you allow your life to lead from the overflow of the throne room, from the overflow of what God is doing in your life. Yeah, that's a pretty powerful statement. Well, I even think with that, for a while now, there's, it's almost like, especially with, with youth, like the youth pastor message, I, I love what you're, you're saying just about the message of Jesus and not trying to make Jesus relevant because truth really can stand on its own two feet. It doesn't right. need us to like, you know, dress it up and wear skinny jeans and the, the trendy mm-hmm. t-shirt, even though the church is all about that, you know, you can't wear no skinny jeans, man. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's great, but the message is more powerful than that. But yeah. we thought that that's really the package. It's the packaging, quote unquote, that makes the story successful. But that's not really it. The reason the story is successful is because it's Jesus and it's truth and truth breaks through lies and breaks off depression and breaks off all of these issues. And I remember this was before the pandemic closed down, I believe. Yes, I was at a youth conference and I wasn't like trying to be judgy at all. But I had this moment where I just kind of wanted to start crying because I was looking around and the message was very much about, um, and again, we, we need young people to pursue their dreams and, and, and dream big for the kingdom. That's part of the story. But it's, it's almost like our messages have become motivational messages in many mm-hmm. ways. And yeah. it's part of the message of Jesus. And in creating or focusing on just part of the message, we've lost the power of all of the message. And all of the character of Jesus. And I remember looking around and, and even kids are done with that. They're not yep. really interested in a, a motivational sermon when they're struggling with their issues. And I saw just looking at their faces, it was like they had this glazed over look. And I was thinking, man, we're preaching a message that's not controversial, that really secular and Christians can agree with, mm-hmm. but it's not, set, it's not breaking chains. It's not setting captives free. And so that's where it comes back to God is really calling the church to the full message of the gospel, to the full message of Jesus, to addressing controversial issues, because really Christianity is offensive. And if we're not, if we're not ever offending people, then there's a good chance we're not preaching the gospel, you know? 
And so I just love what you're saying. And I love your heart really for these young people, because I mean, exactly what you, you said, we need to, we need to minister from a place of overflow of knowing the full message of Jesus, the full message of the gospel, and, and then just releasing truth and letting truth do its job. Mm-hmm. You know, Catherine, it, you know, when we talk about Jesus and him being the answer, you know, it reminds me of Billy Graham and his, his message that he took around the world for years and years and years. Catherine, his message was so simple, and that's what yeah. the gospel is. It's not this, we've created all of these, uh, you know, all of the stuff that we have. We like stand on our head trying to convince people about Jesus. Yeah. And it's like, if they just saw Jesus work in our own lives, right? If they would just see if we would let the power of God change us. Yeah. There is no way that they could deny Jesus. Like mm-hmm. we 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 come up with all these elaborate ways of explaining and trying to help people to understand Jesus and it's like it's it's not that complicated. And you take somebody like Billy Graham who went and that's all he preached was Jesus. Mm-hmm. And m- millions of people around the world, right? Were attracted to this message, right? And because it was Jesus and I believe and when Jesus walked the earth, that's why he had crowds. Even though Jesus was saying some stuff, they were like, dude, we don't even know what you're talking about. Drink your blood, eat your body. What? Like, I, and then they, you know, but people still followed him, right? He, there were times that he had to get away and kind of hide himself in a sense so that people wouldn't follow him everywhere. Like he wanted, he, he, it was he, him himself, he was attracting people. And I, and I look at all the ways that we have tried to make Jesus palatable to people, right? We've tried progressive Christianity. You know, that's a new emerging thing right now is everybody's deconstructing their faith. Everyone's, you know, and it's like, what, what are we? And I, don't get me wrong. I am not trying to be rude to people who step back and say, I really need to understand like where I am with God or, 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 or things like that. But there's this progressive thing that's happening right now in the culture. It's like, mm, you know, I don't know. I just, I, I need to deconstruct. I need to kind of delve into really what I believe. Do I really believe that? And it's actually truths in the Bible that's very clear in scripture, right? And then there's the, you know, watered down gospel of everyone, you know, it's just grace. I mean, there's all of these things and it's all in the attempt to make Jesus more palatable for people. Mm. Yeah. And it's like, if we would just preach the simple gospel, we would see not only the, yes, the things that it's like, hey, you have to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. But you will also see the incredible, as the song says, overwhelming, never ending, reckless love of God, right? Like you will see, there is no way that you can read the gospels and not understand and see the overwhelming love of God, where he's literally tearing things apart, breaking through walls, chasing you down, saying, I love you. I am here for you. I will, I, I will be with you always, even until the end of the world. Like, nothing can separate the, you, know, you from my love. Like, it's like, that's the message that people need. Yeah. But we have these add-ons. These, you know, and you can get this for five ninety nine. Like, yeah. 
We don't need that, Catherine. We, <laughs> I agree. We just need Jesus. And He's enough. And to speak to it, like I, I love that you hit on motivational messages because that's always been my beef. Now I'll just say it so I can be in trouble for it. But Man. with youth ministry in general, as a youth pastor, I want to be fed. Like I want to find youth messages that I can listen to that are geared towards teenagers that aren't surface, that aren't motivational, that are give me Jesus. And he, here's why I really love giving the students Jesus. He's the only person to date. You can't throw another person in front of me and say, he's the perfect balance of compassion and justice. Yeah. Like Jesus was that. And that's why crowds followed him because there were healings and there was transformation, but he always followed up with go and sin no more. Or he always followed up with, now here's the change that needs to happen in your life. I can't bring justice to my students' lives. Like, I can't bring transformation to their lives. I have to give them Jesus, and I have to trust that Jesus is going to be himself in their life. And so that's why my heart is like, we can be motivational all we want, but we have motivational speakers for top CEO companies and things like that. We need to promote Jesus the way that Jesus would do it. Let him be that perfect balance of justice and compassion. We need to be compassionate. We need to give the full gospel in order for that to happen, though. Right. And the full gospel, like Kevin said, he said, it's not always motivational. <laughs> he was saying, like, there are things you're going to talk about to the person who feels repulsive. There are things you're going to talk about to the person who doesn't feel like they want to exist anymore that are going to hurt. But there's a transformation process in that. There's truth inside of that. And there's that balance of compassion and justice. And the only way you're going to get that is offering the one who can balance both of those equally. That's it. Well, I think sometimes we have a tendency to, especially with the motivational messages, because it can create an emotional response. It can make people feel mm. good about themselves. We want, we, and also people's hearts, a lot of people's hearts are really good. They want people to be saved, but we have to come back to, again, the truth is we're not the one saving the people. Right. All we can do is present the gospel and then it's the Holy Spirit that does the work. And that takes a lot of pressure off of ourselves that we don't have to have a bag of tricks to keep people. If we, if we're, if we're keeping people with a bag of tricks, then we're going to have to maintain those bag of trips to keep, mm -hmm. tricks to keep them yeah. in the And so we've got to get back to Jesus is the one doing the work, exactly what you guys are talking about. So we just preach the untainted power of the gospel of Jesus, and he's the one who transforms lives. And I mean, even, even you know, with, with the message of Jesus, Jesus's life on the earth, John the Baptist's life on the earth, when we look at their lives, they didn't have some marketing strategy on how to get their message out. And yet people were so drawn, exactly what you talked about to Jesus, that he had to literally find ways to get away from the crowds. And how many times his devotional time was interrupted by people finding him yeah. because they needed something from him. John the Baptist was in a desert. He was awkward. He wore the craziest clothes. He had a weird diet. He yelled at everyone. And yet people flocked to the desert because he, he was preaching the message of Jesus, prepare the way of the Lord. And so I think today we would look at John the Baptist and we'd say, hey, you need to change the way you dress. You need to be a little bit kinder in your delivery. Mm -hmm. And you need to go to a place that's like not in the desert, maybe like go to like a, mm -hmm. a, a you know, a city, like go to Atlanta or go to, you know, some big yeah. city metropolis so you can reach more people. But the truth is, is he, he, he got into what God called him to and and he preached the the message of Jesus. And in doing so, that power drew people because the human heart was made for that. And even just to go back to just a, a modern day example, um, before Lakeland went crazy, that started 
as a supernatural move of God. Mm. And the reason I believe that is, is because literally overnight, you know, it started maybe five or 600 people overnight, 10,000 people were flocking to this revival. And just to break it down on a non-spiritual side, any business person would want that many people at their event, just because, just because, you know, naturally with the t-shirts that are sold, different things, there's so much money, the offerings that were being taken up, there's so much money there. Anyone business side would want to replicate that. They just Mm -hmm. would, but Mm -hmm. they can't. They've tried to do that and they couldn't, but there was something about the power of God being released in a service, Mm -hmm. God supernaturally just coming down and being God that drew people. And he was the greatest marketer. And I think, and he was the greatest transformer. And I think that's where it's like, we're getting back to the basics of Christianity. It's not about tricks. It's not about, about us maintaining our relevance. I don't even think, I I think our generation is more hungry for an older person that knows truth and will have relationship with them and speak the truth of Jesus than some trendy pastor on the platform that they're never going to talk to. You can see the shift um, happening in the church right now. And I'm I'm so grateful for it. Not, not insulting the the pastors that are trendy like that. I, you know, as again, I said, my husband wears skinny jeans, you know, or we like all of that, but it's, it's like, that's not what it's about. So I think it's, it's, it's just exactly, I know we keep, we keep saying this, but it's getting back to the message of Jesus and saying, it's not about all of these other things. Let's give the people the real gospel. Yeah. Yeah. And people, folks, I know that you're out there. <laughs> you are full right now from from all. I told you that Catherine's dropping some truth bombs. So she's been doing it. And we're going to tell you how to find her here in just a few minutes. But with our last few minutes together, I, I kind of want to switch gears just a little bit. And I, you know, because you have a lot of fans out there. And I know that you went, because I, I saw it on social media, that you, you guys went through kind of a, a thing, you know, weather-wise in, in Georgia because of the, the storms and different things like that. How are you guys doing now? I know, like, I know that had to be crazy. When I saw those pictures, like, it kind of, I, yeah. I didn't know. At first, when I saw the pictures, I was like, dude, I don't know what I'm looking at right now. Like, it's just they're hot. Like, I was a little stunned. So how are you guys doing through this, the storm that went through at Georgia? Yeah. So uh, in our area, Noonan was hit with an F4 tornado two weeks ago. And it, you know, it was a mile wide. It was almost 200 mile an hour winds. And we were in our house when it hit. So we, we, by God's grace, have lived through a tornado. And by God's grace, you know, our whole street was safe. Like all the people, I mean, we've got a lot of older people on our street that we just love that are, Mm. they're all safe. And but it, it was definitely hard. Um, our house, all the trees are gone, which is, I never thought I'd cry about trees, but <laughs> you know, I was kind of emotionally attached to the trees. Our, our house fared a lot, a lot better than, uh, than most people's houses on our street. There's probably six that will have to be fully demolished and rebuilt wow. on our street. And like half the houses are gone. So ours, we, we'll just need a new roof, you know, electricity, all those kind of things are being fixed. So I'm at my, our, our parents' house right now. So yeah, so that's definitely been hard, but the Lord was faithful and we're just kind of in a rebuilding stage with that and grateful to be alive. And we really, I mean, even how the trees fell, it was a miracle that our house was not destroyed. Mm-hmm. I mean, they literally fell around our house, didn't hit our yeah. cars. I mean, wow. fell a foot away from our cars. And so it was really sweet of the Lord that, that he was preserving us in that. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. You know, being a worship leader myself and have had, <laughs> have had my share of, you know, you, you, you go lead worship, guests worshiping at a church. I remember one time 
I, I think it was a New Year's Eve service. And, uh, you know, I'd never been to this church before, never been on stage. And it was one of those things, and I'm sure you get this, when people know you lead worship, you can never sit in a church without you kind of getting, it's not really a surprise to you, but it still is a surprise because people will come down and go, oh, I, Catherine's here, you know, could you come up and maybe sing us a song or maybe, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's just one of those things that I, you know, somebody asked me to come up and, and you know, it's a really solemn time. God was doing some, was doing some great things. And I went to go switch to another song. And I remember like all these people are there, God's moving, you know, whatever. And then I hit a button on the piano. And this button end up it started playing a song. Like it was one of those, like dun, 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 dun. like oh, I mean yeah. just I'm like <laughs> I I'm like, Lord, this like, <laughs> it was one like one of the most embarrassing things <laughs> that ever happened to me. And I'm thinking because one, these people are like, who is this guy that they call up to the stage? One. Two, you know, now after this, you know, I sing a song, God's really moving. And then like, I, yeah. So as a fellow worship leader, I, <laughs> I have this question for you. If what is, what is one of your most embarrassing moments <laughs> leading worship where there's been just something crazy that has happened, like while you've been on stage? My... Probably, probably to date my most embarrassing. Well, there's two that kind of vie for the position, but um, one happened a couple of years ago. I fell on stage. Oh boy. It was a low moment in my life. Oh. And it was right in the middle of singing Oh Mighty Ones for those of you who know that song. And it was a worship night. And so the room was packed and my in-ear cord was kind of hanging down behind me a little longer than I realized. And I like was kind of like mid jump, mid dance, you know? <laughs> And my foot got stuck on my in-ear cord. And so I went to step and I didn't have a foot there. It was like stuck. So I just fell. I toppled. (laughs) And I remember I was was on my knees and I was, I had no, like, I had no idea even how to get out of this situation. And I remember kind of turning my head to the crowd and there were all of these uh, teen challenge guys on the front and, and their eyes were just huge. Like what just happened? So I got up real quick, you know, and I just kind of, looked at the crowd and I said, that wasn't the Lord. I, I fell and I tripped my guinea cord. And then I just said, carry on. <laughs> so we had the whole worship night. Oh, and uh, my band was losing it in the back. They were just, they laughed at me the whole set. So yeah, my, my, knees, my knees were sore for a good few months after that fall. <laughs> right? right. Oh man. And my pride. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Right. Um, You've got a, a a lot of amazing worship songs. You know, I, I know I've sang Hero. I can't tell you how many times. I just, I love, love, love that song. I mean, th- there's whole albums that I'm just like, man, I've had some really amazing times with God just, just because of your heart of worship. Out of all the songs that you sang and, and wrote and, and whatever, what's your favorite one of your songs? Like, do you have like a favorite? that you just, you just love? There's probably a tie between two, but probably, I guess probably the main one is a song called All My Worship. Yes. And it's just, yeah, I just, that's like, if there could be a summary of what I feel about the Lord and like the secret place and not to get too deep with it, that's that song. And I just love, love to be with the Lord and how it came. It came very quick. And it just was like kind of a moment. We sang that verse. I will stay here for a little while till I look like the one I behold. We sang that for like 45 minutes at a church one night. It was just in a, mm. 
worship moment, it came out. We just sang that. And that's that. So that's a, a special, special song to my heart. Yeah, I I would have to second that. That's another song that I've sang of yours a ton. <laughs> it's just amazing, amazing, amazing song. And you know, we are so so grateful for you coming on. And you know what? Something else, something else happened in your life because when I actually, when you actually came to our church or the church that I was going to at the time, I don't, you weren't married at that time. Okay. But now you're married. I know. Uh, right? That's awesome. So, so I guess in a, <laughs> I don't know if this is a quick nutshell, but in a quick nutshell, do you can you tell us like how you guys met when what that looked yeah. like? So, um, I met my husband at my home church, the church that we're at now. So, my dad's church. I was living in Alabama on staff at the ramp during that time, but I would come back a lot. And just to see my family and my husband, he became like best friends with my brothers and everything like that. And all my friends back home. And so he's a musician. He's also a computer engineer, but he, um, he's my music director on the road. He's all all the time. He's my music director. So he's a phenomenal musician and he just is my best friend. And so we love doing life together and, and all of that. And, uh, I'm just so grateful for him and you guys would love him. He's really funny. He, um, is way funnier than me. (laughs) <laughs> and we thought about doing a podcast just because he's so funny. <laughs> you know what, Catherine, you really should do a podcast. Like I, like, I, I'm just saying, like, I don't know. You guys kill it with podcasts. So maybe one day, but in the meantime, you guys are holding the fort. No. <laughs> oh no. I, listen, <laughs> I know you're busy too. And, I, and it's gotta be crazy with, you know, trying to do a podcast and, you know, do all the other things that you do. But man, I, I just, I can only imagine being able to listen to a, a lot of stuff that you've said and, and, and what God is speaking to you on a weekly basis or a monthly basis or whatever the case may be. So I'm just going to tell our fans to just bombard you with asking you to do that. That is so funny. You never know. Maybe. You never know, right? You never know. Well, we are so excited, Catherine, that you've come on today. And and folks, if you want to learn more about Catherine Mullins, go to her website. It's CatherineMullins.com. And she spells her name with a C. That's not a K. So it's Catherine Mullins. So it's M-U-L-L-I-N-S.com. Also follow her on Instagram, just Catherine Mullins. Also on Facebook as well. You can also reach out to us. Information will be in the show notes for this podcast. And of course, if you're listening on an Apple device, you can you, you just want to scroll all the way down here at the bottom and rate and review this podcast. And I would encourage you to share, 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 share. Share this episode with your friends and your family. If you're a pastor out there, ministry leader, worship leader, have Catherine out. We, I've seen her live. You know, she is just amazing worship leader. And I believe, again, that she will speak to, she's a a great speaker to this generation. And I believe that she will speak words of life to your event. And so do that. And of course, you know where to find us. We're everywhere. We're on um, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, anywhere you stream music, we are there. And so download this episode and of course, follow Catherine Mullins. Catherine, thanks so much Thank you. for being a part of this uh, episode today. And folks, have a great rest of your day. We love you. God bless you. Yeah.